0: Episode 7, How to Hire Your Very Own Tech Squad. Welcome to Cutting Through Tech, the podcast all about technical strategy for women leaders today. Now, you're tuned in to season one, where we are talking all about the fundamentals and foundations to running tech projects in your business. My name is Maxime. I'm a technical coach, software engineer, and designer, and I help women entrepreneurs bring their techie ideas to life. Now, in this episode, we're talking all about teams and how to form your squad, if you will, of engineers, designers, product managers, and so on, to create whatever asset it is that you and your business need. Now, for this episode, it is, I would say, seemingly important to have listened to episode one where we talk about the number one mistake entrepreneurs make because oftentimes that is funnily enough, jumping straight to hiring people. And in that episode, I go over why that might cause a variety of different issues for your project. But today the day has come. We're going to make the damn thing. So where to start now at this stage in the process, you will have likely um, kind of completed what I consider phase one. You've broken down your goals, your idea, your mission, tied it back to business strategy, broken it down into concrete hypotheses that you needed to validate. You've run various bits of tests. You've done customer research. You should have a much clearer picture of exactly what you're looking to make now. And now the question becomes who is best suited to actually go and create that? And we're moving from phase one into phase two, which is implementation. And so who are the tacticians you're going to hire to do so? The first type of person that comes to mind is an engineer whatever you picture when you think of a software engineer uh, there are stereotypes out there i can let you know that there are many kinds of engineers but more so even in their skill sets i often say engineers are a bit like musicians they play different instruments and they play different genres so you need to figure out what kind of band you're putting together in order to assemble your team obviously there are people who play the same kind of instrument in the sense that a drummer, you will find a drummer in most types of bands, um, from rock to jazz, but even then, the style in which they play that instrument is very different. So what exactly are you doing? From your customer research, it should have become more clear as to what platform you're looking to build on, or at least to start with. Is this going to be a web-based product? Is it going to be a mobile product? Is it going to be AI based in nature or a software as a service? So that's running mostly on a backend or on a server somewhere that gets deployed to enterprise clients. All of these questions are extremely important because they would require completely different software engineers for the most part to implement them. We'll be delving into the details of all the techie words and lingo in future episodes, but for the time being, I can run through a few common ones that you'll often hear. For example, there is a full-stack developer, there is a back-end developer, a front-end developer, an iOS developer, an Android developer. So what do they have in common and what's the difference? In short, a front-end engineer works on what we call client applications. So these are the bits of a piece of software, if you will, that people interact with or that they use. So this could be a website, but it could also be a mobile app. Whereas the backend engineer works on logic, databases, potentially algorithms, calculations, kind of the thinking and logic behind a piece of software that often runs on a server that runs on the backend. Common programming languages that are associated with that are Node, Ruby, and others, whereas when you're looking at front-end engineers, you might see people say that they are skilled in React, Angular, JavaScript, and other things. Now, those are either programming languages or frameworks. We're getting into details now that shouldn't matter too much, but what is important is that you want to start thinking or maybe working with a tech lead or a CTO as to what technology stack will this solution that I'm trying to make require, and then fitting that to the right person, because not every engineer is equal in what they can do for your particular project. Moving on to mobile, there's quite an important distinguishment there as well, which is that Android and iOS. So an Android phone or an iPhone are two completely different platforms and most of the time require completely different software. So when you think you can create one app and send it to all the phones out there, that's actually not the case. You need to make double the app, which is why you often see people launch on one platform first. So something might be available on Android only. Um, at its inception, SwiftKey was like that, it's a third-party keyboard that used to be only available on Android, it's now multi-platform. As for example, Zip, which is a companion app for a skincare device that launched initially only to iPhones and has now been built and released for Android. So that's a tactic that you might want to pursue as well, again, your customer research will have come in handy here. If, you know, 85% of your target audience is on a particular platform, um, that already gives you a good indication on where to start. There are technologies that you might hear of that allow you to work across both. A very popular one at the moment is React Native. What's important to note there is that it's not as if you can kind of write it once and just send it to every device. I would recommend an expert for each platform. So you would have one iOS developer and one Android developer. And then there are other services almost that you can use that say they deploy to everything but oftentimes the user experience is a bit glitchy and it's not quite at the level of other native apps now if this is a first round or a first version you may choose to do that if you know that you have the capability to continue iterating quickly and you want to move into the right direction maybe you want to start out on a platform straight away without a cross-platform app to be honest All of this depends so much on what you're trying to do. It's almost quite hard to give the general advice here, but what I'm trying to illustrate here is that there's a world of difference between these types of people and what they're skilled in doing. So to boil it down to things that you can think about, is it an app? Is it a website? Is it something that requires AI, machine learning, that kind of algorithmic calculation? How do people access that? How do they get to the core piece of technology that you're looking to develop? On top of that, are there any features you've considered in your app? Is it a photography app? Is it important that people know computer graphics or computer vision that they can manipulate images, or is it all about mapping? Um, if you are doing a kind of location or GPS app based in nature, you might want people that are good at graphing. There's graph theory and maths behind calculating optimum routes. So being extremely clear on what the end product is that you're looking to create will help you decide who the team is that you'd like to hire. But now I want to give some extra attention to other roles that are often adjacent to the engineer that don't get spoken about enough. And the next one that's fairly common still is a designer. So yes, you probably want to hire a designer depending on how much visibility the piece of tech will have to a end user as we call it, or you know, client, customer and so forth. But even in the design world, there are differences. There are brand designers, visual designers, UX designers, user researchers, which counts as a subsection of design, graphic designers, illustrators, and more. Now, you might end up working with all of them for different reasons throughout your business. So you might have a brand designer when you initially start your business or when you're looking to rebrand your business, but likely they are not the same person that would, for example, sketch out how a mobile app would look. They might give you a feel of like how your brand might translate to something like that, but when it comes to detailed designs about how users would interact with an app, where to place buttons, how to split functionality across a range of different screens, you're really looking at a UX designer. Now, UX stands for user experience, which says it all in this case. And oftentimes with software, you want the user experience to be great. So that's probably the designer you want to talk to first um, and that you'd like to start with. And oftentimes they are well-rounded enough that they can take on elements of visual design that's important for software as well. As you grow, you might end up including visual designers whose main objectives are to not just make things look pretty, which is often what people think, but also accessible and cohesive. And lastly, there's a role of a product manager. Now, product management is something that funnily enough, you may have been doing (laughs) unofficially for a little while now, because product managers actually do the client research. They think about customer pain. And what that means in terms of what we're building next, because a product that is not needed by the market on some level will inherently not do well. And they are continuously validating and checking to make sure it's on the right track, but then what they do additionally is they break that down into specifications that engineers can work with and they can prioritize these features on the right roadmap. So they might say, okay, this group of functionality goes together. That will be the initial launch. Then we're going to do a release that improves this area of the software product. Then we'll do another release because our research has shown that customers need this bit first, and then this, and then this. This kind of breakdown from a product spec all the way to technical executable pieces of work is oftentimes the place where things go wrong. So. In your process of putting a team together, I think it's crucial to talk to product managers. And if your budget allows, they're probably a very key component or at least consultant that you'd like to bring in as part of your team as well. Now, please note that throughout all of this, I have just barely begun to scratch the surface of what these people (laughs) excel at and what they can bring to the table. And really indeed the combination of them depends on exactly where you are in this process and what you're looking to make. If you do want to chat about that a bit further and see what phase you're at or who you might be looking to talk to next, do reach out. I have a few strategy sessions available for podcast listeners, and you can email me on maxime at cuttingthroughtech.com or head over to our website. And the links are always in the show notes. So now we have a rough picture of the variety of different people. Um, that may be involved in creating a tangible technical asset. Now, the next question becomes, in what format will you be working with them? Will you be hiring contractors? Will you be working with an agency? Will you be working with a local team or a remote team? Or are you looking to hire full-time employees? Now, there are pros and cons to all of these different approaches. Uh, And again, it's very personal to you and your situation as to what approach you'd like to take. But usually they depend on a few things. Are you looking to create a concept or a first version that you then may end up wanting to pitch with or release or tease? In that case, you might want to work with contractors or an agency on a short-term project, or have you decided you're a tech company now and you have the budget or funding to actually hire a team and start scaling from that end, or Are you looking to eventually hire, but you'd like to start with seeing where it goes first and maybe doing short projects or short pieces of work with a few contractors. All of these things are possible. And I would say the two main factors to consider are your budget and the longevity of the project. Depending on where you're based, you might have access to an excellent pool of contractors or world-class agencies. Often these come with a higher day rate. However, they might get things done quicker. The important thing to keep in mind when working with contractors is if you can hire a tech lead or a CEO or some kind of person who can oversee technical decisions, it's really worthwhile because oftentimes these, if you will, temporary people come in and they work with a piece of technology that they deem is best or most suitable or comfortable to them. Unbeknowingly to you, they've almost locked you into a particular piece of technology or a framework or way of thinking. One of my clients had this happen to her when she worked with some contractors who chose to use something called Reactive (laughs) Coco. It's a particular framework in iOS. Uh, It's not very of the moment anymore, but it was several years ago. And it meant that every engineer she worked with afterwards couldn't quite understand what had been made because they didn't choose to use that approach and so weren't able to quickly continue or build on top of other people's work so you just want to keep an eye on that and make sure there is someone that can oversee from project to project and person to person that there is a level of cohesion in the work that's being done Now the other option is remote teams Um, this is either because you're in a place where you don't have access to the level of talent that you require. Or perhaps your budget doesn't quite stretch to it because there are amazing teams in various areas of the world that are capable of great things. The key thing there becomes excellent communication. And again, I would say you'd like to have a tech lead or a CTO or director of engineering type of figure that can really oversee that. You want to be extremely clear on what you are building and why and how that will look. Because anything left up to interpretation by that team will just you know will be done by them and what you're going to end up with is their vision and not yours the thing i would stress there is that if you are working with a ux designer make sure that one is in-house or close to you in person and you can make sure that what you're creating really follows on from your vision and then together with the tech lead who can make sure that from an implementation perspective it will be cohesive to what you're looking to do eventually, they can communicate and manage that remote team to actually implement towards your vision. What you're doing here effectively is delegating your vision from both a visual and usable perspective and a technical perspective to people who can then interpret your vision and translate that to work with engineering teams going forward. The key part here is to like we've talked about before in certain episodes, lead this project and not let go. You absolutely still want to be part of it and you want to be very clear as to where this is going and what the purpose of the asset that's being built is, but allow intermediaries to translate that vision into a set of specs that's appropriate for the end team that ends up building and implementing them. Now, I hope that was helpful. This was a bit of a whirlwind in the sense that we're starting to get quite technical (laughs) and there are a lot of different things to consider here. And I understand that probably not all of it will resonate immediately, but if you do have any questions, do reach out. I mentioned I'm on Maxime at cuttingthroughtech.com. Happy to answer any questions uh, or do any further shows or create any further episodes out of them. I am working on a glossary. And in a future season, we will go <laughs> through what some of these techie words mean and what kind of trade-offs are involved with them and how you can make high level decisions based on these bits of knowledge. So if I still threw around things like backend and we're still not entirely sure what's going on there, that's absolutely fine. The key thing I would like you to take away from today's episode is that there is a variety of ways of working with engineers. There are additional people that you are likely wanting to include in a tech project, like product managers and designers, and that really the clearer you get on where you want to go. So all that work you've been doing before in terms of validating and breaking down your vision and your strategy into key tangible pieces that relate to the asset you want to build, give you a much clearer picture of what needs to be done and then in turn, who is best suited to do that. Now, next week is the last episode of this season, and in there, I actually talk about something quite almost the other way around, which is, do you actually really need custom solutions and what can be done with existing pieces of software that's already out there? Oftentimes, we might think we have to build everything from scratch and hire teams and spend quite a good chunk of our budget on technology when maybe that's not necessary. So if you're curious about that, tune in next week. And in the meantime, if you like what you heard, you know what to do, leave us a review and subscribe to not miss out on what's coming next. Thank you and see you next time.